Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, the place where the Raider Nation calls home since 1998. And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, welcome back here on Raider Nation Radio on a Monday. Brought to you by Iole, our beautiful, award-winning tequila partner. I had some Iole in the pool this weekend before Garth Brooks. Shake down a little bit, poured it on ice. Fabulous before the Garth Brooks concert, before I walked over the Hacienda Bridge in 117 degrees. I That's got to make me special. Because I know we're going to be walking over the Hacienda Bridge for Raider games. Some of us, I know, depending on where you're going to park. And I was the first to do it. One of the first to do it with thousands. If you've ever walked across the Hacienda Bridge at 117 degrees, we are in a a special fraternity together. I want a t-shirt for that. When I got to the other side of the Hacienda Bridge, 117 wearing jeans and a rolled up shirt, not a flannel but a shirt to go to Garth Brooks. I looked at my wife. She was in a Garth concert T-shirt, and the other couple we went to, I said, look back. You'll never forget that walk. Never again on God's green earth will anyone walk over the 15 freeway. Walk over the 15 freeway when it was actually 117. Not 109, not 112, not 114. 117. And uh, I lived it. So we had a good time at Garth Brooks, a lot of fun, and what a good weekend. So last week, as we wrapped up the show, I talked about that entertainment stress test with everything that went down over the weekend. And what'd you go to? If you went to any of these events, let me know. Did you go to UFC? Did you go see US uh, men's basketball lose to Nigeria? Did you go see Justin Bieber? Did you go to Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan? We tell stories on this show. I don't know if, unless you call me. 702-365-9200. Did you participate in anything that had to do with the entertainment stress test? I'm happy I went to Garth Brooks instead of UFC because UFC ended in a dud in Conor McGregor breaking his ankle at the end of the first round and losing to Dustin Poirier. In UFC 264, Greg Hardy got knocked out. I watched all the fights the following day when I streamed it, but Again, for Conor McGregor, he's all talk now, no action. He doesn't win anymore. He promotes well, and he's out there, and look, he fights I don't. I'm not in the octagon. I give him credit for that. But now he is a carnival barker. He's more hype than he is substance, and everybody knows this. So if you're going to continue to go pay for Conor McGregor, you don't know what you're going to get. You're getting him way outside the prime of his career where he pretty much loses now all the time, and this time Conor McGregor went down I'm fascinated to know when he broke, when he, had, when he snapped it, when the beginning of the injury started on a leg kick or him getting kicked in the leg, because we'll never know that. And I know everybody's been breaking down the film of him in the octagon, but, you know, Poirier was on top of him for the last two or three minutes of that round, pounding away at him. McGregor would not have won that fight. He wouldn't have came back and won in the second round. No way in hell. And those who betted on Conor to lose and gambled on that, got paid off, and that's all they care about. Uh, Give Conor credit for competing. He hung in there, even on the broken ankle, 
When he felt it, it was unreal to see the initial pain as he went to the ground and realized it was over. Conor McGregor spoke to his fans on social media after his surgery. What's up, fight fans? The Notorious here. Just out of the surgery room. Everything went to plan. Um, everything went perfect. I'm feeling tremendous. We got six weeks on a crutch now, and then we begin to build back. Um, you know, I want to thank all the fans all around the world for your messages of support. I hope you all enjoyed the show. I want to thank all the fans in attendance at the T-Mobile Arena, 21,800 fans in attendance. The place was absolutely electric. Um, it would have been, it was a hell of a first round. It would have been nice to get into that second round and then, you know, to see what's what. But it is what it is. That's the nature of the business, a clean break of the tibia. And it was not to be. You know, Dustin, you can celebrate that illegitimate win all you want, but you've done nothing in there. That second round would have shown all. And, you know, onwards and upwards we go, team. We dust ourselves off, we build ourselves back, and we come back better than ever. Let's go, team. All right, so why did he do that? Because he wants to fight again. He wants another payday. So what he's doing is brilliant. He's starting the hype and the spin that he would have won the fight if he didn't break his ankle and have surgery. And I would do the same thing, too. If that gets him an opportunity and Poirier could win the title coming up there and then Connor could get the fourth fight with Poirier and he could fight for the title. So it could work out well. The problem I have with Connor going forward is that injury on his shin. That could be career threatening. Not everybody can come back from that. So he might never be the same. And I don't know how long you need to wait and rebuild the scar tissue and the healing of that. That's a big surgery that he had. I know you know better than me. What does that take? Six to eight months? He's going to be on crutches for six weeks. And then he's going to rehab, but he can't fight in three or four months coming off a broken ankle and having surgery like this. So we're talking about possibly next year. We're already in July. If we're talking about him having one fight, which he just had Saturday night, where he didn't even get out of the first round, then he has to wait a year to fight next year. Think of all the hype. One of the things that I wanted to hit on today, on Monday, was the fact that he was despicable when Poirier called him a scumbag or a dirtbag, I think, in the ring. He was speaking to Joe Rogan, and then Connor started yelling about his wife, and Poirier's wife was in the ring and talking about her showing up in his DMs and all that. That is the lowest level of trash talk and reaction from an athlete to another athlete. I don't think that there's anything worse than that. Do you? Talking about a man's wife when the wife is 15 feet away from you and disrespecting a man and his wife while you're on the ground, you just got your ass kicked and you broke your ankle, and that's a level of trash talk. I know he's lost a lot of fans. I think a lot of people, even though people, I even know one of my buddies, an Irish guy, who's not into him anymore because he's gone into the sewer in regards to his trash talk. I remember when Connor was on tour promoting his fight against Floyd Mayweather, and that was some of the most brutal trash talking I've ever heard because of the level of profanity. We were trying to play that sound on both shows, and it took our editors more time to bleep out all the F-bombs and S-bombs from Floyd and Connor than it was worth playing. And now for Connor to be on the mat in the octagon as Joe Rogan sitting next to him interviewing him and he's using language like that against a guy and his wife who are right there, that's despicable. You might think that's entertainment and you might think that's part of the character he plays. No, it's not. That's awful. You don't do that to another human being. You don't do that to a woman. And that's what Conor McGregor, the same guy who punched out an old man, an old elderly man in a bar. It's the same guy we're talking about here. He's an absolute, excuse me, mess in his personal life 
but he's a promoter, and he helped fill up. They don't sell out T-Mobile with a UFC card without Conor McGregor. Even if it was Amanda Nunez or they brought back one of their old legends, they weren't going to sell it out. The reason why the former president was there and all those celebrities, and Dana White does a magical job, it was Conor McGregor, and Conor McGregor lost again. So if you went to the fight, how do you feel about it? And do you feel like you got ripped off? Greg Hardy got knocked out in the fight. I didn't watch the rest of the card. I just watched the Conor and Greg Hardy fight. And how do you feel about that? And would you pay again for a Conor McGregor fight? I would suggest that maybe 80 to 90% of everybody who bought this last fight would buy the next Conor McGregor fight because that's what they do. They buy Conor McGregor fights and they believe in the hype. I don't. I'm more of a boxing guy than UFC, but UFC moves the needle. And congratulations again to Dana White for being the visionary who had the belief to get everybody to go to events during COVID in Jacksonville, Fight Island, in Dubai, everywhere he did it. And now Dana came home to his hometown here and pulled off, I think, the largest crowd ever at T-Mobile, if I'm hearing that's true, which is incredible. And he pulled it off there. If you went to the fight, how'd you bet it? Did you enjoy it? Even though that was a bust. The final fight on the card, the main event, was a bust. You can't spin that any other way. That was not what people expected. And that's what happens when you see combat sports. Anything could happen. And that's what happened there. So if you went to the fight, I'd like to hear from you on Monday, my last show of the week before I go on vacation back east. See family. So I'd like to hear from you here as we continue with the summer of Tom Flores and the countdown to Canton. A couple other things that happened in Vegas. USA men's basketball loses to Nigeria. Nigeria's got a few NBA players who played well. But what an embarrassment to U.S. men's basketball and Greg Popovich, you don't lose to Nigeria at any point in time. And when I saw that alert on my phone when I was having a Modelo, yes, a Modelo at the circle bar on top of the torch waiting for Garth Brooks, I just shook my head again. Wow, what a night. The men lose against Nigeria. Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Conor McGregor breaks his ankle in the ring. Maybe the best thing to be at was Garth Brooks. I think I won the lottery and saw the best thing that went down. If anyone went to that basketball game, how bad of a look was that as they're still in town here in training? And I think Greg Popovich will use it to help them train and help them focus a little bit more, but completely unacceptable there. Another big Vegas story over the weekend in Atlanta, the Bush brothers. Kurt Bush beat Kyle Bush in NASCAR. That's a Vegas story. Two guys from Vegas, big brother beats little brother. That was a fantastic race. I DVR every NASCAR race. I went back and watched the last 30 laps. Incredible to see how that played out there. Another Vegas story. And then finally, uh, Novak Djokovic winning at Wimbledon. Here's the final call as he wins the 20th major of his career to tie him with Federer and Nadal. A sixth Wimbledon title for the Serbian superstar. History made. He has caught Federer. That's incredible. That's incredible, courtesy of ESPN and Wimbledon. Think about that. So he's going to be the greatest tennis player of all time, fact, not fiction. He's going to win four or five more majors because he's just in the absolute prime of his career. Doesn't look like Federer or Nadal will win again a major. And this guy's going to win a few more, and he's going to be the last guy we remember who has 23, 24, 25 majors, and he'll surpass Borg, Laver, Federer, Pete Sampras, Nadal, everybody else. So Novak Djokovic, we're living in a time now 
where the greatest tennis player of all time is still peaking, and he's going to continue to win. So that was a big story. And then the European championship between England. Oh, England and Italy. England scores with two minutes in, and then they don't score the rest of the way and miss, miss three penalties to lose to Italy. Uh, I was on the radio last night, Sunday night, on SiriusXM, and the hashtag, say no to racism. What an ugly story. If you go on the hashtag, say no to racism, which is still trending, how ugly of a story is it that England fans, England fans are turning on their players who miss penalties, Saka, Rushford, and Sancho. Three African-American national players for England missing their penalties, and their own fans are threatening their lives using racial slurs, and now FIFA and England Soccer Authority are researching all of this. I can't believe it in 2021 we still have to deal with this. As much time as FIFA has gone in as the governing body of soccer to try to eradicate racism, you have this unbelievable event at Wembley for the final, and unfortunately, the three young stars of that team Missed penalties. One hit the post, two missed, and now they are getting verbally barraged and they are getting threatened on social media. It's disgusting. You know, you bring, you're not going to get rid of racism completely in sports, but they've tried over the last 10 to 15 years. And now, if you're only as good as your last game, it's a low moment in soccer history the way these three young men are being treated in their home country or for the home team of England. Congratulations to Italy as they win in penalties and the whole country of Italy. I got a buddy on vacation in Capri for a wedding and sent me a video. It was just magical. It's every single pocket, every city from Rome to Naples, obviously to Venice, everywhere. The whole entire country was celebrating and that party would have been still going in London as we speak here today, but what a devastating loss for them. How about that? Oh, and congratulations to my buddy Vinny Del Negro, who won the American Century Celebrity Golf Tournament. Derek Carr played in it, Aaron Rodgers, Steph Curry, Vinny D, Vinny Del Negro, who's played in that tournament. I've interviewed him up there for years. Really happy that he won. He beat John Smoltz in a playoff. We got home run derby tonight. I'll go with Joey Gallo. From Bishop Gorman to win, Otani's going to be the big star. He's in home run derby. He's going to lead off as the DH tomorrow for the American League, and he's going to pitch. So that's a really good story, too, as we're covering it there. Not a bad sports weekend, huh? A lot of cool things happen, and a lot of big things were based here in Vegas. How did you survive the entertainment stress test? I don't know of a radio host in America or in Vegas who walked over the Hacienda Bridge than your boy JT. So I survived the stress test. And, you know, they don't play football or baseball outdoors in July for a reason here. It was insane to walk around 117 degrees. But I posted a video. I found my brick for the first time. My wife took me to the JT the Brick brick outside the Raider image. And I posted that video at JT the Brick. And that was kind of fun to see that. So that's what I'll say. Meet me at my brick on the way into the game. Great to be inside a legion. I've been in there a bunch, but not for, not for an event with 65,000. And the vision of Mark Davis to build that stadium so we could have some big events. And wait till you hear the announcements of what's coming next. I am sworn to secrecy. I am sworn to secrecy. But wait till you hear what's coming to a legion stadium. Clear out your month of November, my birthday month. 
clear it out because you'll be at Allegiant Stadium for multiple big events and Raider games on top of that and UNLV football. Build it and they will come. What they couldn't do in Oakland because the politicians screwed it up, they did in Vegas beautifully, and we benefited with it this all past weekend. How great is it to be in Vegas as we're brought to you by Sam and Ash? Go to SamandAsh.com, SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. 702-820-1234. Insurance companies have zero interest in giving their money to you because, honestly, that just cuts into their profits. Not the case for Sam and Ash, my great friends. Call them JT's attorneys, 702-820-1234. JT, as we do the countdown to Canton, how about a Tom Flores phone call on a Monday on the impact that Tom Flores had on your life? 702-365-9200. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Iole Tequila, the official tequila of the Henderson Silver Knights. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town and an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. My feeling is it happened. It finally has happened. Uh, I worked hard for it. I did not campaign it for it because, uh, you know, it's something you don't campaign for. You let other people do it. You let other people bring up what your uh, what your accomplishments have been. And I just said, let, you know, my record uh, stands for itself. And hopefully it'll be good enough for the voters to, to grant me my my last dream and uh, and vote me into the hall of fame so i could be there with all my friends tom flores will be there with him coming up here in august it will be the largest class ever because of the pushback from COVID, so we're going to be there with coach flores all summer long we're looking for your phone calls on tom flores and the impact he had on your life as a raider fan i'm thrilled to go to denver where rick harrell the legendary sports business consultant the analyst, the Harvard Law School visiting expert, is in Denver for the Major League Baseball All-Star festivities. And, Professor, right up your alley, we start off with economic impact. This was supposed to be in Atlanta. Politics, no matter where you stand, got in the way. And Denver benefits how much financially? A lot of different ways. First of all, the average economic impact of an All-Star game across the board is about $70.5 million. They had it in 98, Ripken's time, a little less than that. But Denver was a million, uh, was about a million nine population. Now it's three. The hotel occupancy during COVID was about 20%. Now it's 80 or 100% at the hotels that cater to the All-Star game. There's also this big push about responding on a dime to a mega convention, meaning, you know, two months ago they weren't sure they could do this, and now – it's coming off in droves. It's really cool. Plus, they added the draft. The lawsuit in Atlanta about taking it away talks about $100 million of economic impact loss, so it's probably more than that. Colorado governor says it's about $190 million, but we'll discount that a little bit. And then the other guidance we have is, remember in 08 and 13, both New York City Field and Yankee Stadium had all-star games. 
about $350 million for those. But that's New York. This is Denver, but it's still a big deal. Rick Carl joins us. What lesson did we learn about other cities having to be ready if there is a political statement and something happens in the future? I really believe this is once-in-a-lifetime thing with what happened after one of the most controversial elections of all time, what's happening now in the world as so many people are politically unhinged that Colorado and the city of Denver says, we're ready, we'll take it, take it here, we got the infrastructure to do it and we'll do it. Do you expect to see this happen again in our lifetime? Well, you know, I'm never going to say never for something yeah. happening in my lifetime. I, I said I would break 70 on the golf course in my lifetime, but, uh, you know, don't count on it. But in the reality context of all of this, do you remember the Arizona Super Bowl was moved in the 80s because they refused to adopt the Martin Luther King holiday in Arizona? The LGBTQ stuff in the transgender bathrooms cost the uh, city of Charlotte, the NBA All-Star game. Now they right. got them back. So it doesn't have to be this particular incident. Will turbulent politics cause people to do things they probably shouldn't and lose convention business? Yeah, you could probably bet on that. Rick Harrell, I want to talk about what happened in Vegas and the economic impact. We had Garth Brooks and... We had the U.S. men's national team upset by Nigeria. We had the Conor McGregor fight. And I just saw this on Facebook earlier today. The U.S. men's basketball team, who lost Nigeria, they were a 28.5-point favorite. Team USA invited Nigeria. They paid and brought them in as a tune-up for the Olympics. And Nigeria's leading scorer, Gabe Vincent, averaged 4.8 points per game last year with the Miami Heat. You know the people behind the scenes, how they build this team and get ready for the Olympics. How big of a black eye is this or no big deal? Well, it's a black eye only if they keep losing. Uh, you know, look, this is the classic wake-up call of all wake-up calls. And at the end of the day, Jerry Colangelo, this is his last rodeo as USA Basketball, then he turns it over to Grant Hill. You know, he can't be happy, but nobody's happy. Uh Popovich had a pretty interesting press conference. He was very expressive, and it's ironic that that's not his nature. Uh, I will. I don't know what the odds will be, but uh, when we know what the odds are when the American team faces Nigeria for real, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the points <laughs> and take the U.S. of A. Yes, I would take the points and go over the total. Uh, what was the economic impact for the Bay Area of Tampa St. Pete on the Lightning winning back-to-back Stanley Cups? Yeah, that's more than you could possibly imagine, right? Because um, the back-to-back was pent-up frustration because the first part of the back was in a bubble uh, in Edmonton. So you really didn't have that benefit. But I can tell you that over the last two weeks, uh, a lot of people were enamored with the idea that the Lightning really having a chance to repeat and did it. The only issue you could argue is, as we know, playoff games and economics of playoffs, you really make your money in games five, six, and seven. And for that series, uh, I guess you could say it was lucky to go five. But that that was a shutdown, amazing. It was 1-0, but it could have been 30 to nothing. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the NBA just behind the NFL and sponsorship money. Tell me about this Blazers deal as the Blazers got into crypto with the sponsor here and what the NFL and other leagues are thinking now after more cryptocurrency, something that most people don't understand but there's billions of dollars lined up in it. How sharp were the Blazers and the NBA for this? Very sharp to get into it quickly because I still, listen, I, I, I could talk a pretty good game, as you know, but I, yes. I'm not touching something that I really don't 
understand it could flip on a dime in, in a minute, literally. Uh, however, there's so much money sunk into it. FTX, which you know spent 150 million dollars to name the arena in Miami, no longer American Airlines Arena, and on and on. And and uh, the UFC, as you may have seen, did a 150 million dollar deal to be the official cryptocurrency of uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, crypto.com the official Mm -hmm. currency of the UFC. So is crypto here to stay? I don't know. Are they spending big marketing dollars on long-term guaranteed contracts? Absolutely. Wrapping up with Rick Harrell, the sports professor, a unique weapon for us, especially through the entire COVID time. He's been with me for close to 20 years. He's a valued friend and a unique, unique voice when it comes to law and especially the economic impact of global sports. Finally, my son is interning for an agent this summer, and he fell into what is one of the most fascinating things a young kid could fall fall into, NIL, in college football. And when you look at name, image, and likeness, he's learning about this, knows more, much more than I do. I know you've been speaking about this publicly and on other shows. What's your big takeaway now as some of these college athletes are going to get paid with this type of term going forward? Are you behind it? I got two takes. Well, being behind it is, 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 is pretty irrelevant for me because nobody's going to ask me anymore. Now that the Supreme Court 9-0 said, doesn't matter whether you're behind it, we're behind it. Right. <laughs> and, and the other stuff about college sports is it's up to each governing body to test the market. University of Miami, best team money could buy. How about a sponsorship deal for the whole team? You got Auburn, you got LSU funneling money to the star quarterback. So that may work, but the locker room gets pissed off. Now you got mm-hmm. another situation, too, where the Florida Panthers – have said, we're going to do NIL deals with the state school so the kids can get some additional platform and benefit uh, off of our SPIF as professional teams. So two quick things. One is you have no idea where it's going, but it's good for the kids. Second, you need a whole bunch of lawyers and experts to figure it out. You tell your son he's made the right career choice to get into NIL, and I'm so enamored with you as a friend that on September, whatever day it is, when the Dolphins come to Vegas, you're taking me to play golf, and we're going to go see a Legion field together. How's that? It will be great. I just saw Garth Brooks there Saturday night. It was fantastic. And I'm jumping on a plane late tonight, red eye. I don't know why I'm still the king of the red eye. Going to St. Augustine, I have tea times at King & Bear, Slammer Squire, and Ponte Vedra. When you come back from Denver, you could go through Jacksonville instead of Miami and meet me for a round. That's not a bad idea, so yes. let me cogitate, and don't turn your cell phone off. See you later. You got it. <laughs> my wife is telling she's taking me on vacation to turn my cell phone off or my Twitter off, so yeah, maybe right. I can compromise. Forget it, man. Yeah, that doesn't work. You know that doesn't. It doesn't. Work. Have a great time in Denver. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. All right, man. See you. Now, Rick Haro, who's in Denver for the Major League Baseball, all-star game speaking, doing what he does best, and the economic impact. Remember, this was a political topic. And the, the MLB All-Star Game left Atlanta to go to Denver. Thousands upon thousands of people. I don't know if it's hundreds of thousands. I don't know if it's a million. I'm not here. I'm not a math major. Left Major League Baseball over this topic. They did. They said politics got involved with baseball. Baseball's moving the All-Star Game. I'm out. I'm out. This woke universe that we live in. Politics, politics, politics invading sports. So I don't know how many fans are going to put their money where their mouth is or their remotes down, but a lot of fans were supposed to put their remotes down and say, I'm not watching the All-Star game or this or this because of what's happening with politics in Atlanta and Denver benefiting from this.
You know, I only talk politics and sports when politics invades sports. Your boy JT is never the guy bringing up politics, saying, hey, man, let's, uh, I got 10 minutes to kill. Let's talk politics. Never. But when politics gets into sports and it becomes a headline on Good Morning America and Nightline and Fox and CNN, and we're talking sports and politics, this was a big one. This was a big one that a lot of people talked about. 702-365-9200. Paul in the Bay Area. How are you, Paul? Go ahead. Hey, JT. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. I have a couple of memories about uh, Tom Flores. Mm-hmm. The first one was uh, the last year in Oakland, my wife sees Tom Flores come out of the, the room where he's staying, and she's going, it's Tom Flores, and she bolts after him. And she's got our ticket, and she got him to sign it. And I was nice. like, wow, we got his signature on, a, on the last season of the Raiders there in Oakland. So that was pretty exciting. Um, I remember when Jim Plunkett first came aboard. Mm. I was, I don't know, 18, and I'm watching the TV. It's uh, preseason. And Jim Plunkett, to me, doesn't look good at all. He's overthrowing the balls, and I didn't know a lot then. Like, he's just not into it. Or he's not doing that well. And then, you know, they pan over to the coach, and he's taking his notes and thinking. You know, Tom Flores is always calm and cool and collective. And I'm going, well, I hope he knows what he's doing. And, you know, here we, here we go. He, you know, he wins two Super, um, Super mm. Bowls for us. It's like he was always calm in the moment, good or bad. And I always appreciated Tom Flores. I never considered that he was, um, you know, uh, a minority or anything like mm. that. He was just, he was a Raider player. He's doing, he's, he's working for us. He's, he's doing the best. So I just have great memories of Tom Flores and uh, I can't wait to see him being enshrined in the hall of fame. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Thanks for participating. Really appreciate it. That's what we're trying to do. Coach Flores listens to the show. I know that because he was a regular with us last year. I'm going to be there with his family, my wife, at the induction, and I just thought it would be the right thing to do. Raiders agreed with me, and they're lining up former players starting next week with me almost every day. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That'll get us through the rest of the summer. And what I am calling the quietest, quietest Raider offseason, this will be my 23rd year with the team. I don't remember it ever being this quiet, which I like. I'm cool with it. Last two years, all we talked about was what? What did we talk about? Relocation, 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 COVID, COVID, no fans. How many fans? None, none, none. Now we have a quiet summer. Raiders are coming back from vacation. Training camp starting here in a couple of weeks, and it will be all football with a better team. A lot of pressure on them to win, and we're not going to stop with the best Raider content. We will have the best Raider content from the head coach to all the Hall of Famers and the legends and the insiders like we do. Right here on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up next, my podcast partner, Tom Looney. Uh, We dropped the podcast this morning. It's up and out. You can get it where you download all of your podcasts. You can get it on my Twitter page, at JTTheBrick. And we're ready for you as we're brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. I had a Modelo tall boy or two at the Garth Brooks concert. It was fantastic. Modelo delivering a crisp, refreshing taste. Brewed with a fighting spirit since 1925, Modelo. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore on Boulder Highway in Henderson. Why pay more? They have the super deals you're looking for.
The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Sam and Ash, proud partners of JT and the Raider Nation. If you get into an accident, call 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. DeAndre had a terrific first half and then struggled with the foul trouble in the yeah. second half, just given the state of your front court with injuries and, and stuff, just how how much more of a bind does that put you guys in when, when he can't be out there for, for those extended times? Yeah, it does. I mean, but that's going to happen. Um, I'm not going to get into the complaining publicly about fouls. The just not going to do that. But you can look, you know, we had 16 free throws tonight. One person had 17. So, you know, DA is, we got to learn from that. We got to beat guys to the spot. And uh, he'll grow from this. Uh, I, I promise you he will. It's Monty Williams trying to play the refs up for game four. His job, Mike Budenholzer did it after game one. JT, back with you. My podcast partner, 14 years on the radio with me, the great Tom Looney, who's a news anchor for KABC now in Los Angeles, and he has a lot of time available because his Lakers aren't in the postseason after a first-round exit. Tom, are you enjoying Giannis? Are you enjoying Chris Paul, the former Clipper, in the NBA Finals? Well, yes, uh, a little bitter, of course, because the Lakers could have mopped the floor with either one of these two teams. Nevertheless, not bitter. I'm happy for this. It's just like when we're happy when it rains, we're happy for the farmers. You know, you have to find the the glasses half full. I'm happy that uh, teams like Phoenix and in Milwaukee, where they haven't won since Lou Elsinder played for the Milwaukee Bucks in 1971 before he changed his name. And so they deserve at least to have this excitement uh, or a championship themselves. You and I are more boxing guys than UFC, but you really respect MMA and the fighters. And Conor McGregor breaking his ankle was that good news for him in the long run because he was going to get the crap beat out of him and lose anyway? Now he has an excuse to get another fight with Dustin Poirier. It'll be the fourth if he eventually heals. I mean, you know you've been a ring announcer for you uh, for MMA fights. That shin injury in that surgery, will he ever fight again? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's one of those things. Probably not a good idea because a lot of guys, once they break it, it becomes easier to break it again. There's always that wise tale, you know, when you break a bone, it comes back stronger. Uh, not when you're kicking at people with that same bone over and over again the way they do in MMA and UFC. Uh, but, but let me push pause for a second. JT, why do you feel every time we talk about UFC, you've got to apologize to boxing people and say, oh, we're boxing people first. We don't apologize to NFL fans when we talk about the NBA. Because I think it's important to say we're boxing guys because we're not trying to be interlopers and jump into the UFC MMA business like we're experts because we have blue okay. check marks and acting like we are. We've we've <laughs> sat together. We've sat together at many many fights in yeah. Vegas more so than UFC. And and again, quite frankly, I like boxing more than UFC for a lot of different reasons there. But I respect what the fighters do. Uh, yeah, I like chocolate ice cream more than vanilla, but they're both great. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, they're very similar sports. They're combat sports. These guys put their lives on the line for our entertainment, and I don't feel like we should ever have to apologize for being sports fans uh, of you... any sport. And they, they really don't. It's not one versus the other. And as you know, Kevin Ioli is unapologetic, great, great 
a combat writer for both boxing and MMA. There's nothing wrong with enjoying both. But, yeah, we both grew up loving the sweet science. Tom Looney joins us. We dropped a brand-new podcast earlier today. Actually, we recorded it today, and it's up wherever you get your podcast. Just look for JT and Looney. And I was ashamed. I, I'm really ashamed. I'm happy with my life, my wife, and my sons. But I'm ashamed as an American basketball fan that Nigeria was paid for. We paid for them to come, put them up at a gorgeous resort, fed them, let them go visit the sites of Vegas, and then they kicked our ass. But you're spinning it into a positive for the Nigerians. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily a spin. You see this in tennis. You see it in golf. Other countries where children worked in factories or just looked for food for hundreds and thousands of years now have a broad middle class where kids go to something called school, just like here in the United States. And then they have extracurricular activities like basketball. These are countries in Africa that have suffered for hundreds and thousands for years. And now, thanks to the model that the United States provided them of how you can build a, a culture with a broad middle class, We've got other countries kicking our ass, okay, in tennis and basketball, but for, for years, in centuries, they didn't even go to school, let alone have extracurricular activities. It's a, in, in the macro sense, it's a beautiful thing. You're in Los Angeles, Southern California, where reportedly there was a Mike Trout sighting at some point years ago. Is Shohei Otani going to take over for Mike Trout? How is he not a Dodger and living in obscurity in and around Anaheim and Newport Beach when he's leading off in the All-Star game, home run derby obviously here tonight, all the other things that's going on? How big of a star is he with UCLA, USC, the Dodgers, the Lakers, the Clippers, Kawhi, LeBron? How's he fitting in? Well, it's a, it's, you know, a lot of times in the United States when – you know, it's almost like with boxing, people cheer for their ethnicity or their nationality, their race. You know, people from all over Southern California, long before Shohei Otani, would go to see a, a, a baseball game with Ichiro. Uh, not because they were fans of Seattle, but because they were fans that he looked like them. It's, a, it's an ethnic city. We have little Tokyo in L.A., which is huge and enormous and wonderful place to eat if you ever come to L.A. And, yeah, he, he might he threatens to be the biggest angel star ever. You know, even when Reggie Jackson played here, it was in relative obscurity because he played for the Angels. It really is. You know, when David Beckham played in L.A., he could go to In-N-Out Burger and not get noticed because, you know, soccer isn't that big in the United States and the Angels aren't that big in the United States. So, yeah, Mike Trout should be a Dodger or on any other team, and he would be a much bigger star. It's something weird about the Angels that they're, it's almost like being a Clipper. There's no such thing as a Clipper star. And there's no such thing as an angel star. Tom Looney, as I wrap up the show tonight and I get on a red eye, which I don't know why I'm fascinated with the red eye. I always think I'm going to get an extra day when I go to St. Augustine, Florida, and I get there. And I always feel like it's going to be an extra day. Instead of resting, having a good night's sleep, and going to the airport as a, at a reasonable time, I always think I'm getting like an extra nine hours of mycation. Do you believe in the red eye? Oh, absolutely. For the re Because of the time zone issue. You wake up. In the morning, let's say you get a decent night's sleep and you catch, you catch, you get on the plane at 10 o'clock and then you fly to Florida and then it's seven at night and you get off the plane because it's four where you, you know, where you left. And then, and during, you know, during standard time, you leave in the morning and it's dark when you get there and you're wide awake. 
So with the red eye, you don't get enough sleep, so you're actually able to adjust when you go back east to your jet lag and go to bed when everyone else does. And which, is, as you know, if you if you flew there, getting a good night's rest, you know your your parents or your in laws will want to go to bed at 10 p.m. and it's you're wide awake because it's seven o'clock in your head. Are you a believer in mixing alcohol with baby drugs like Benadryl so people sleep on the plane for the red eye? Or do you just have a couple of cervezas when you're at the airport bar before you get on the red eye? How do you medicate yourself so you can actually sleep as you're flying cross country? It's tough to see. I always feel like it's John McCain sleep, prisoner of war sleep. I know he Hilton sleep when I'm on a plane, right? I just took the red eye back east a couple of weeks ago, as we talked about in the podcast. And when I got there, I didn't know if I slept. Uh, four minutes or four hours. <laughs> I had no idea. I was in a middle seat, and I just had no idea how long I slept. I wasn't sure if it was four minutes or four hours. It's difficult, but still you have the whole day to yourself once you get there. Tell everybody where they can download our pods- podcast. The numbers have been strong. Where can they get it? Well, one way they can get it is just by following us on Twitter and checking out our tweet and just linking right there. And, uh, you know, if you get podcasts, all you have to do is type in the search engine, JT and Looney, and it'll pop up. There's nobody else named JT, and there's nobody else named Looney hosting a podcast. Have a good week. We'll talk to you on the other side. Thank you, my friend. Right there. Tom Looney, check out our new podcast. I'm very proud of it. Happy that we find time to stay together. We've been together 14 years as my partner on radio. And uh, the way we stay together and finishes, finish each other's sentences is by podcasting. Everybody claims you need a podcast now. I have two radio shows, two podcasts, one with the Raiders. Very busy, but I'm loving doing the work I do with Looney because probably the most talented radio guy I've ever worked with. He's a pure, amazing, historic radio guy, and I love working with him. So that's it for me. Uh, you can catch me tonight on SiriusXM, and then I'm out of here for a week. I will be back, and then next week, I think we have 15 days till training camp. Uh, we'll pick it up where we left it off with everything that's going to go down with Tom Flores and Charles Woodson on the way to camp, uh, Canton, excuse me, and then we'll do some broadcast over at the Raider facility. We'll be over there for training camp, and I'll have some pretty good access there, and we'll just start knocking down interviews with the coaches. I'm hoping John Gruden, as always, and the players at training camp, as hopefully we have an opportunity to have a relationship with the players more so than we did last year when we were just kept from them. Couldn't see the players in the locker room, couldn't see them at practice, couldn't see him over at the facility, and it was tough, you know, building relationships, not just for me, but especially the great insiders that we have on the show that got to write their columns and put together all this information. And believe me, they have one hand tied behind their back because they can't sit down with anybody face-to-face. So hopefully we're turning the corner on that. And thanks for the calls today. And everybody who talked about the entertainment stress test, everybody was able to get out to either Garth Brooks or T-Mobile for the UFC 264 or any of the concerts in town. I thought that Vegas pulled it off as always again. It was incredible. I mean, Vegas was able to do that. And that's probably physically and mentally is going to be one of the toughest tests in this city's history because of the 117 degree, which was a real 117. If you were trying to walk to any of these events and make sure you had time to get in. As I said, uh, it's going to be fun coming up here. Tonight is the Home Run Derby. I'm going to watch it. Joey Gallo debuts his new bat with the Vegas logo on it. Joey Gallo went to Bishop Gorman High School. I saw him play baseball, caught one or two of his home runs in high school, so it'll be interesting to pull for him. Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, 
who's going to be the star of this. What Otani's doing is incredible. He's going to compete in the home run derby. And this is a guy who was injured this year. He's going to compete in the home run derby as four Astros opted out of the All-Star game. Those lying, cheating scoundrels who beat my Yankees on a walk-off. Six runs in the bottom of the ninth to beat the Yankees. Otani's going to hit in the home run derby, bat leadoff for the American League and pitch. That's incredible. It's one of the greatest individual baseball achievements of all time. The first player ever to be an all-star as a pitcher and a positional player as a batter. That's going to be a big part of this, and Denver's going to put on a hell of a show. The ball should be flying out at Coors Field. We know that. Just a question of who can get hot with the clock on him and hit a bunch of home runs and have a really good time. Uh, when we come back next week again with training camp, really what the countdown's going to be is to see how intense these practices are. And with John Gruden, it should be pretty intense. This, this is not going to be a camp. This is not going away to sleepaway camp or summer camp. The level of intensity already that we've seen at minicamp, the attendance turnout by all of the players who have been showing up has been fantastic. So all of that combined, I think it's going to make it a very competitive camp and with the camp being that competitive I think there's going to be a couple of position battles they're going to be fun to see as we wonder what's going to happen now who's going to be the starters we got a pretty good idea ahead of time Tom Pelissero reporter for the NFL Network uh, tweeted out seven NFL teams are now above the 85 percent threshold for player vaccinations and 70 percent of players league-wide have had at least one shot he was told the second shot or single shot Johnson and Johnson needed by today to be fully vaccinated to avoid major restrictions when most teams report July 27th. So it seems like the players are understanding it. Like most leagues, get vaccinated, be safe, go to work, keep your job, and, and don't be in a situation where you can get COVID. It makes all the sense in the world to me. Thanks a lot for Bobby to put the show together. Everyone else, we're ready to roll. I'll see you back here in a week. Keep it here to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. And listen to all of our programming there on the Raiders mobile app. Great way to do it. Thanks to all of our proud partners. Without them, I wouldn't have a radio show. And I try to thank them all every day. Have a great day to everyone. We'll see you back here next, next Monday. Thanks for listening. Or Tuesday, excuse me. A week from Tuesday, I'll be back from Florida. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.